Welcome, everybody, to Teutonic Takes. How's it going this week? Big news out of San Jose camp. Um, basically, we're all here because of this main reason. One of the biggest homegrown signings for the Quakes and one of their biggest stars, actually, has been traded today to Austin FC. Um, it is a $500,000 uh, sale. We have Will here alongside of me. We're going to talk a little bit about this and we're going to go in depth about it a little bit. We just wanted to get a quick little clip in there to kind of bring you guys to understand both sides of this equation, especially if Will, I know, is against it and I'm for it. So kind of a little debate here. All right, let's ask Will, man. What do you think? Straight into it. Um, Straight into it. Well, what's going on, everybody? Sorry, it's been a little while since I've been on here, but uh, I've been busy. But uh, as far as this uh, Lima is going on, um, I mean, what, I mean, five hundred thousand dollars to start it off fine. All right, let's go think of that aspect. Five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I think I've been watching people on comments saying that's it. We got more for Godoy. You know, all these talks about you know that wasn't enough, and I don't think it is enough. I mean, I think mm. from starting off on that aspect, I think I mean five hundred thousand dollars. At least we got something better than nothing, of course. You know, yeah. but I mean, I think we could definitely could have got more. I mean, yeah, he had an off year, but I think he should have been worth more. What do you think? Like he should have been worth more than five hundred thousand. I agree with you. I think he was worth more than five hundred thousand. Yes, but he's a little on the older side now. He's he's past twenty five. Um, he can be used to an expansion club. That's why Austin FC, because I mean that's why they went after him, right? He has MLS experience. He's a good quality MLS back. I I saw a lot of people talking about on Twitter and Facebook, and that this reminds them of Beta Shore two right? Yes and no, right? If we if we just constantly have the same players out there with no difference we're still gonna have the same outcome and at the end of the day I think the Quakes are trying to strive a little bit more than just a playoff caliber team and and it has to be unfortunately cutting ties with our favorite players and that's what I think is happening here yeah I wouldn't say the aspect of our favorite players but I mean okay he's gone who are we gonna replace him with I mean do we think we're really gonna bring somebody up to actually play right back for us yeah, you know, I, I'm 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 agreeing with you that Tommy Thompson's not going to cut it. Um, he got burned by Pavone all year, and Marcos Lopez has that left back spot done. That's his done and dusted, right? There has to be a reason why the Quakes were willing to give up Nick Lima. I'm wondering if they went to Austin FC and they're like, "Hey, the expansion draft's coming up. Is there anybody on our roster that you might like?" And I was actually thinking maybe we re-sign Vaco to do like a sign and trade. But I was talking to Jamin Moore, and he says that doesn't really happen because of the CBA, and these players aren't multi-million dollar contracts with the team. So it's really hard for, for a player to get up and move instantly, just like how it is in basketball and, and things like that, because they make a lot more money. So if they don't want Vaco, or if we can't find a way to give them Vaco, there had to be something, because Jesse always wants to trade a new expan expansion team. There had to be something that they wanted, and I guess Nick Lima was that. 
Well, okay, so, I mean, all right, we're at this point now. Lima's gone. I mean, we can't do anything about it. I mean, I think, yeah. I know you say he was on the older side, but I still think he had value to this team because, I mean, mm. this team is notorious for not really signing anybody. Yeah. So to have this such a good talent out of our homegrown system was kind of, you know, it's like it was, he was like a free player, basically, right. you know? Exactly. exactly, a free player, right? So we got 500000 for a free player that we paid oh. nothing for. Right, we got five hundred thousand, which we could have got more. But uh, I mean, the aspect that we're we're not going to get anybody else. I don't think yeah. we're going to sign anyone any right back that's going to fill the spot. And then whoever we do have, we're going to be like, wow, we regret getting rid of Lima. Look how bad our right back is. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the 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 jits of it, right? I mean, us as Quakes fans, we understand that we really don't get that many replacements and and when we do get replacements a lot of the times we get like a sean francis right where it's like oh man but the quakes have had decent backs i mean they had jordan stewart marvell win i mean they weren't i would say they're not the best they weren't like beta shore and morrow but they were serviceable um i don't know if that's the homer me kind of talking but i thought I just thought Nick Lima had a not that best the best of a season last year. I think there was a couple goals that were purely on him as well as giving up easy fouls in front of the box, especially in that Vancouver game where he gave that foul at the end of the box and they scored that free kick goal. That almost ruined our playoff chances. So I think a lot of this has been brewing. I think Almeida doesn't it didn't really fit in his system. And I think it, he saw the opportunity to finally maybe get a fresh start at the right back position and get rid of some drama. And they took it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like, yeah, he had a bad season, but I mean, I, I wouldn't really count anybody to have, you know, like I wouldn't count this season really to anyone's stock of their value, you know, mm. such a weird year because of COVID. You know? Yeah, just because of COVID yeah. and how it started, and then you had the tournament, and then you're playing. You know, it just – there was no flow. You know, there's real no – real legit flow to the season. Um, yeah. So you can't really give, like, a full judgment. Yeah, you know, they played a good amount of games, and you mm-hmm. can still judge those games that hand. But still, I mean, for Lima, for a player that's been, been around, I mean, you can't really, right. you know, uh, judge them off that just one season. Uh, and fine, if Almeida was done with them, I, I, you better, you better hope that there's got to be someone to fill his spot. I mean, I yeah. hope they have a plan coming into this because I mean, Nick Lima is just—he was valuable to this team, and he's going to be valuable to FC Austin. They're going to enjoy him. Yeah, you know? they are. Yeah. Do you I mean, think? And, uh, do you think that Paul Marie will be the serviceable backup at left back, or will be a starter now at right back? I mean, I we we just like you said earlier. You said uh, Lopez is our left back, so yeah. I mean, I would I, I don't think we're gonna move Lopez to the right back and then mm. start putting Marie to the left. Um, I don't think that's what they would do, but I mean, unless they really think that Lopez would do just fine, and yeah. then they'll they can try. I mean, but I don't is is really Paul Marie our answer to be serviceable enough to get yeah, us to, by, right? And to, and not even that. And to like, okay, you said that you just don't want him just to be a playoff team. Well, yeah. is Paul Murray going to make us better in the playoffs? Right, right. And that's. I mean, I guess I'm I'm leaning more on the side that I kind of. I guess I haven't been there around for the heartbreaks, and I just think with this, this is a make or break for Matias Almeida this year, and I think they're gonna just put everything in the basket this year. I mean, all eggs in this basket. Like, I don't think they would have gotten rid of a starting caliber right back for nothing, right? I, I think they must have something up their sleeve. They have to ha- be thinking of bringing something in because again, like you said, Paul Marie and Tommy Thompson, they're just not going to cut it. You see teams like Columbus and, and uh, Seattle just having 
loads and loads of talent and I and I hate to break it, but we love these guys, but it's just they're not gonna cut it in, in this day and age of the MLS. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So it's like, was it really gonna be worth getting rid of? I mean, are we gonna sign some, you know, some big player with his five hundred thousand dollars and then just be a little worse on the defensive side of the ball to hopefully yeah. be better on the offense? So I mean where I mean, where it's hard to tell because I mean, this system is a man marking system, right? So I mean, it's hard to tell who can come in and be serviceable. It might be someone we never even really heard of, you know? It's yeah. gonna be some random guy that Almeida think, oh, he plays great in my system, so that hopefully works out. That's what we would be ho- hoping for. It's more of the guy can play this system, whoever it's gonna be, you know? I don't know who. Yeah, I was be. talking a little bit on Twitter, um, kind of just <laughs> pulling some strings, maybe maybe starting some rumors, but. You know, there's a there's a right back that used to play for the Earthquakes, and uh, he recently got cut by an MLS p- playoff team, and he had a great season and knows the man marking system, and that is uh, our our very own that we have had our on our podcast, Kevin Partida. I mean, as of right now, why not as a right back depth, and then maybe bring in someone else. So again, he knows the man marking system. He's played right back before. And he's played for the earthquakes before, so that 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 could be like a quick fix, right? Put a bandaid on a on a you know on a open wound type of ordeal. But there has to be something in the works. We're not going to put Shea Salinas out there the whole whole year, right? We're not going to put no. Paul Marie out there or Tommy Thompson. There has to be another type of deal. And really quickly, this has become a norm for Jesse Farnelli, and I and I do like it. They must have been protecting someone. They felt like if they didn't trade Nick Lima to Austin they would have lost someone either on a free or basically nothing coming back to them. So there must be something that made them want to do this. So are you telling me this is like, there's basically for sure. We don't have to give anything to FC Austin. On exactly. Like how they did with Godoy, how they did with, um, I forgot his name off the top of my head, the calendar in Minter Miami. They're doing it now with Austin. I just thought personally, it would be a different player. I knew this might have been coming, but I thought they would maybe sign like a Vaco and then just be like, Hey, like we'll give you this DP caliber, even though he doesn't want to play for us, but he, or we don't want him back, but he plays great. And I just thought it would be someone else, not lit Nick Lima. But if we can get something for Nick Lima still, that's half a million dollars. That's not bad. Again, like, Guys like uh, Mule went for free, right? He was a he. He was played for Red Bulls, and he, he went for free. He was he was looking for, like for Europe, the same trajectory as Nick Lima, and he was a U.S. Uh, U.S. Men's National Team kind of tryout, and just like Nick Lima, and he went on a free. So it could be worse, right? You know, I mean, obviously it could have been worse. It could have been less. So I mean, but we just know as Earthquake fans that we should have gotten more. I yeah. mean, for just a kai, yeah. I mean, for that kind of caliber player. But I mean, like you said, for uh, for Nelly was just ready to go, pull the trigger on it, and we just, uh, I mean, as quick fans, if what happens if they don't do anything? Like, yeah. I mean, like they what happens if they go. get they nobody? Almeida. I mean, yeah, we're gonna get some random guys, and are they gonna be <laughs> enough though? Like, and I Andy mean, Rios or Alanis? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. We're gonna be like, okay, and then you kind of know what these guys are, but like. Are we going to finally – this is supposed to be the year, right? This is the last right. year. About this is the make or break. Contract. I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. I just it, – it's a little frustrating just because I feel like I don't know that the Quakes are just notorious and then, like, yeah. to not get anyone, right? We, we've, you know, beat on this drum before. They, yeah, yeah. The Quakes don't get anyone. And then to give away, like, our starter. A good, yeah, a good yeah. player. 
it just it just hurts even more. It'd have been different if it was like you know Luis Felipe, even though he's not right. coming back. But you know what I'm saying like a player like that, like oh okay yeah whatever you know he didn't matter. You know it's no big deal. So this happened with Godoy, right? But Godoy was already kind of out of the 18 already, and it didn't hurt as much. But Godoy was a good player when he was playing for us, and he kind of. I mean, he was a bright spot in those bad years, and we did get six hundred thousand for him. So, I don't know. It's 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 a tough. I bet you anything that they did have an offer for more money, but they wanted to trade him to Austin because they wanted to protect someone. There has to be a reason behind this. Well, Either okay, they're protecting so Shea Salinas or or someone that they felt like was going to be taken in that expansion draft, or even Nick Lima. Maybe they were protecting him and getting something for him. The return on investment, they have to have sat down and saw, okay, Tommy Thompson can't be protected because he's over the age of 25. Nick Lima is in the same boat. That homegrown protection is gone. So they have to use protected spots for those guys. And that means they can't protect either Wondolowski or Salinas or even maybe like a Yudsin, right? So some maybe more valuable guys were at risk if they didn't trade him. And that's, that's the whole thing. Well, I think, for, I mean, for us to really, we would have to really dissect that. Like I would really need yeah. to know the, the exact expansion rules and how many spots you get. And then he, like you said, there's more rules when it comes to like guys or they're over a certain age. So I think we would have yeah. to really that down and we could kind of do our own, you know, scenario on who yeah. we would be. Because, I mean, at this point, I mean, I wouldn't think anyone would be going crazy for, I mean, a Chase Salinas. I mean, yeah, if you really want a guy. legend. Well, for us, right? But, I mean, like, yeah, yeah he's, he's more of a sub player. I mean, I'm assuming if I'm thinking of a super draft, like, I want to try to get a starter. Or an expansion draft, all, right? Yeah, so for yeah. exactly. From expansion draft, I would be thinking, oh, I want a starter for each of my That's spots. That's true, yeah. You know, or at least or at least a good role player right off the bench. Or maybe they saw that, hey, Tommy, it's either Tommy Thompson or Nick Lima, and they thought Tommy Thompson maybe has a higher ceiling. Uh, I would hope not. I would yeah. not hope that, that, was, that was the comparison. I mean, I and know then, we re-signed Tommy, but still. Yeah. And then a little bit of news. Um, the San Jose Earthquakes acquired the New England Revolution's natural fourth-round selection in the 2022 MLS Super Draft in exchange for college rights to defender John Bell. So a guy that wasn't even a part of our system or any interest we got. Um, he was a second-round pick, but since he didn't want to play for us or he didn't have any any wants to play soccer, um, we got a fourth-round pick for us. So I think this is a little bit of good good management just because we possibly get a filler for our USL U23 team, which is coming in the future, and we don't lose anything, right? He's the guy that wasn't playing for us. Any thoughts on that, Will? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I once I saw it, I just was just like, okay, guy didn't want to play for the Quakes. We got right. something back. We got something in return, and that's all we can at least ask for on that aspect. I mean, no one was, no one's gonna be like, oh my god, you know, he was gonna be awesome, but yeah. whatever. He didn't want to play with us. We couldn't do anything about it. So yeah, we got rid of him, and yeah. we got finally we got something in return, and that's all you can ask for on that. At least it wasn't uh, uh, like the A's drafting Kyler Murray with their first round pick, something like that, right? That burns a yeah. little more. Or Russell yeah. Wilson to the Yankees type of or, or the Texans ordeal. So again, we get something that we might be able to fill in. Um, I wonder where this U, uh, USL twenty three team is going to be. I'm hoping it's somewhere in San Francisco. I mean, Oakland. We'll see. We'll definitely see what's going on, but. Exciting news out of the Quakes today. Um, happy Sunday, everybody. Um, we want to give a quick shout-out to all of our Patreoners and all of our supporters. 
Thank you to the beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. We appreciate your guys' sponsorships. Um, Will, any closing thoughts? Um, the closing thoughts, I think, for every Quakes fan is we got to hope they make the right moves now. I mean, yeah. like you said, this is this is it. This is the final push for Almeida, and we better hope for a lot of new uh, new news, you know, getting blasted on Twitter about us signing somebody. Yeah, no, definitely. My closing thoughts is we could have lost him for nothing, and we got something instead of nothing. So it might hurt. This might be a beta short 2.0, but at least we got something for nothing and we wish the best to nick lima um we are a little critical on, of him on this show but it's just our kind of our role to you know empower some quakes fans what they are thinking what they're what they're not thinking things like that um but nick lima you you have a great opportunity in front of you to live in a great place he's moving to oracle he's moving to texas just like oracle <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i saw no, i saw a comment that was pretty funny but uh yeah man best of luck austin fc is gonna love you um, the Quakes fans will always love you here too. More Quakes news came out. Danny who's in to Bay area East FC or for <laughs> known as Austin FC. Um, big news. They select their first pick Danny who's out of San Jose earthquakes here with me. I have my co-host here all the time usually, or it's will, but today we have Ivan is Ivan Ornelas. What's up, man? How you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing very well, Fabi. Uh, I am, have mixed feelings about the news that we've gotten today, and I'm even more bummed out about the news we've gotten a few days ago. Mm. I think it's already been, but this is the nature of the MLS offseason where things m- move so quickly and you have to process it and try to yeah. think, okay, so now this is the situation. These are the pieces we have left. Yeah. Uh, what is the next move? And we're going to f- find out if these moves are going to encourage San Jose Earthquakes ownership for the first time in forever to be a bit more proactive in the transfer market. Yeah, and so really quickly, guys, the news is Danny Husen gets selected by Austin FC. The Quakes, in return, get 50000 in GAM, as well as protection in next year's expansion draft with Charlotte. So this news coming after Nick Lima's trade to Austin FC for about a half a million dollars. So $500,000. Uh, I was talking to Will saying that, Oh, this is going to protect us from this expansion draft. This <laughs> is a handshake deal. Jesse Farinelli loves to do these. And it actually turned out that it wasn't a handshake deal. So it just proves even more that Nick Lima was even further in the doghouse. Um, Almeida found an opportunity to get rid of him. And I guess that's what it came out to be. But Ivan, what are your thoughts on Danny Hoosen leaving uh, for $50,000, essentially a player that was already leaving, right, for $50,000 and protection next year? What do you think? Right. So I remember I sent to our group chat, you and will have the list of players that San Jose Earthquakes had unprotected in the MLS Super Draft. And it was a relatively short list because you're allowed to protect 10 players. So Quakes obviously protected the Jackson Ewells, the Chris Wondolowski's, yeah. the Flo Youngworths of the world, and so on, the Espinozas. And there's also an age limit too. So the young players like Kate right. Cowell, uh, Siad Haji, and so on, Fuentes, they're all safe as well. So what it came down to, it was basically Eric Calvillo, Calvillo and a bunch of guys that were on their way out anyway. Yeah. So it was going to be a bit 
easier to swallow this news than the news that Nick Lima was going because Nick Lima is a starting caliber right back in MLS. Yeah, He's a good player. He's a player that maybe he's not the ideal right back if you want to win titles in MLS, but he's certainly capable of being in a competitive team, which sounds that earthquakes are in the process of becoming mm. more sustainably. Yeah. So, yeah, I still want to know what's going to happen. We've saw, yeah. seen some jokes and memes that, oh, well, the natural replacement for Nick Lima is going to be Breck Shea. And then yeah. I'm thinking, well, <laughs> Breck Shea is the type of player you can expect him to score goals against his former teams, but that's about it. So, <laughs> But it would not surprise me if San Jose Earthquakes – uh, made a move like that for Breck Shea. Uh, it would not surprise me if mm-hmm. we try to replace a U.S. men's national team pool player with a player from like the fifth division of England or yeah, Ireland right, or Sweden. Like, <laughs> but third division of Sweden. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so Ivan, tell me, what do you think about? I guess the move in general, right? Uh, getting Nick Lima and Danny Husen as if put put your Austin FC hat or your Bay Area East FC hat on and think about. You got two, I would say, MLS starting caliber players for about five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. How do you how do you feel? If you wanted to do a very loose definition for Danny Husen, who is very Dutch, you could mm-hmm. call him a Californian. But Nick Lima from Castro Valley certainly is Californian. So Lima's certainly not the first Californian to make the shift from Bay Area to Austin. Austin <laughs> is one of the most. Uh, without getting too political, California-friendly parts of Texas. <laughs> so I think it m- makes perfect poetic sense why the Austin FC have now obtained two players from San Jose Earthquakes to start life in MLS. Right. <laughs> but from a soccer standpoint, with Husen and Nick Lima, I don't imagine that they're going to be the best players on this Austin FC mm. team, but they're going to get significant minutes. Definitely. Nick Lima could be a star for them. Danny Houston could possibly be a star for him if they really give him like good players to give him service. Yeah. Or he could be one of those uh, first or second option off the bench. You look at all these players that made it to deep in the MLS's back tournament or MLS uh, Cup, uh, teams like Seattle Sounders and Columbus Crew, yeah. that they have a one or two solid options off the bench. Or even Sporting Kansas City, who didn't go as far as we thought. Yeah. Well, they know Alan Polito. Okay, there's Kyrie Shelton. They can yeah, rely exactly. on him. There's Eric Hurtado. They can sort of rely on him. So, Yeah, and I actually think that Danny Houston is going to be the starter. Um, they went for him first in the draft. They right. had their eyes set on him. Atlanta was linked to him. So there is MLS pundits or MLS uh, GMs out there that do think Danny Houston is actually a great player and deserves to not be in the doghouse necessarily and deserves to be playing minutes and playing and scoring goals. But yeah, I, this is a little bit of news as well. So I think all this is going to build up. I mean, we're just building up our gam, right? I think this is too good because of the situation too good. Um, trades for the quakes or one trade and one expansion draft taken uh, player. But I think this is a, two steps in the right direction. We get money for guys, one guy that was leaving and one guy that was out of favor with the coach and then we get to use it in the full arsenal of Matias Almeida's system and Jesse Farinelli's kind of system, what he's preparing for Almeida. This is a make or break year, like I said in the last video, for Almeida, and we definitely need all the money we can get so we can use that to buy players. 
they talked about this a little bit on Black and Azul. I believe it was Joel Soria or uh, Jamin Moore, one mm-hmm. of the two. They were very much leading the discussion at this point where they were talking about if you want to convert San Jose Earthquakes from an average MLS team to a contender, whether it be next season or in the future, eventually your team's going to have to look different than what it does now. Right. While we love every player that's on this team and we see potential in a lot of the young players and we believe a lot of our starters can be there to lift a title, whether it be U.S. Open Cup or MLS yeah. Cup or something, um, the reality is you're going to have to trade some of those pieces and upgrade in certain areas because exactly. there are better players out there, whether it be within MLS or from other leagues. So – it is a matter of how many players – I don't want to say salvageable because it's not like we're tanking or something. It's right. not like this is a horrible roster and you're looking at – and I think with all due respect to our friends over at Soccer Crush, FC Cincinnati, for example, when <laughs> players like Kendall Waston are leaving or being denied uh, contracts, wherever the situation was where he left the club, it's I'm yeah. drawing a blank, uh, you know that they're doing a massive overhaul. This is not the yeah. case for San Jose Earthquakes, but they do need to be somewhere in the middle where they are actively moving pieces and trying to bring in better players. It's, it's more or less trimming the fat, right? So we had a lot of players that were part of an old system that Matias Almeida was brought into and had to use, basically. And he, he made two playoff appearances. Or, no, I'm sorry. He made one playoff appearance and almost another playoff appearance. So it's just we finally are going – it's exciting. We're finally going to see the Matias Almeida system, and we're bringing all this – money in to help him out with that let's just hope it's not like an Andy Rios type of signing and more like a Carlos Fierro signing (laughs) but with the list that was um, presented for the expansion draft I was okay with most of it Um, I don't understand why Daniel Vega was protected and Eric Calvillo wasn't so right Uh, they protected JT do you need to protect two goalkeepers that doesn't make sense for MLS because I can only think of a handful of MLS teams that have two protect-worthy goalkeepers. Right. And it's actually a little alarming. It might be JT possibly might not be the starter next year, or at least in Matias' mind, he's thinking uh, either JT is going to go play with the national team or we need a second-hand backup to maybe fill in some times where the form is dipping for JT Marcinkowski. But – a little, a little alarming that we had. Uh, we went ahead and protected uh, Daniel Vega. So, it's if it's just- the case that they're thinking about uh, protecting themselves in the case of uh, U.S. Men's National Team call up, and I think it shows that Matias Almeida, in a short amount of time, he's really understanding Major League Soccer's calendar yeah. and situation very well, because this is the sort of thing that you do have to account for. When I think yeah. of other league systems. Uh, in England, for example, I know that the top two divisions, the Premier League and the Championship, have the benefit of when there's an international break, they know that they're guaranteed there are no league games right. during that time. So they don't have to worry about, you know, in the event of a bigger team like Liverpool, for example, pretty much their entire starting 11 getting called up and yeah. missing, and they had to play Curtis Jones or something. <laughs> but uh, who has become a good player? But I'm digressing too much. Uh, yeah. In MLS, though, mm-hmm. even in the World Cups, and this is kind of problematic messaging as well, you tend to – they only do a break for the group stage, which right. is kind of sending a signal to your players that, okay, we have international players in our league, but we don't 
you expect them to go far in the World Cup, <laughs> which is not always true. There right. are s- several players who play for national teams that are capable of getting out of a Euro group. They're capable yeah. of getting out of a World Cup group. Granted, obviously, we have more internationals from national teams like Jamaica than Belgium, but, you know, we're getting more and more. Yeah, and Alex Morgan today actually on Twitter was was commenting or he was talking to a Quakes rep saying that there might be sell-on clauses for Nick Lima and as well as additional revenue that can be gained with um, let's say tallies like minutes played and and goals scored or clean sheets attained. So that five hundred thousand mark might not be just five hundred thousand. It could be there's a maybe they he, they sell them to a European club and we get some more. So it just it it looks a lot harsher than it is. I know he's gonna hit all those incentives because he's probably gonna be their lockdown right back. So it it definitely definitely looks like Austin FC likes what they got. And I think we should on our side, like what we got too. Um, for Danny, who's in a guy who left and then Nick Lima, that a guy was a little out of favor in Matias Almeida system and didn't have the best of years. Um, Ivan, are you going to watch any Austin FC games? Are you going to dial in the, the, are you going to watch it on the TV or on your stream? Are you ever going to tune in? With every league I follow, if I don't watch the games, I at least get the notifications on my yeah. phone Every single team in every league that I care about is part of the story. Whether you're a Benevento in Serie A, whether you're in Austin FC, the new kid on the block in MLS, uh, you're part of the story. And what every team does affects every other team. So I think while obviously you're going to watch your team and then by extension your conference or the teams closest to you in terms of geography or level, more than random teams, perhaps. Yeah. I think trying to put yourself in a position where you're constantly absorbing information about the league will help you in the long run. And you might unearth some gems and fun facts that increase your level of understanding of the sport and enjoyment of it in the process. Yeah. Uh, Ivan, I got some quick over-unders for you. Danny, who's in over-under 10 goals next year? I think... Under, I think Danny Houston hasn't had a injury-free season in a while. Mm. He's going to be playing for Austin FC. And you never know, the expansion teams in MLS are getting better. They're yeah. not just cannon fodder, that they're starting to be smarter from the off. Obviously, Atlanta, Atlanta United and LAFC came out of the gates hot. And Nashville took a while to get going. And Inter-Miami, you see the pieces coming together, but the puzzle is still not put together yet. Yeah. But it's there's a plan in place yeah and even when you think back to the days of orlando and new york city fc the plan seemed to be oh we got kaka we got davia let's play (laughs) right it's a little different nowadays and then another one nick lima over under three goals over under three goals he got one goal this season right Mm -hmm. okay hmm I'll go under for under? goals. I think okay. Nick Lima, he's, he might get more assists than goals, I think. That will yeah. definitely happen. Uh, and then, that's just the type of player he is. Yeah. And then do you think the next time the Quakes play San, uh, uh, sorry, Bay Area East FC, Austin FC, will win, lose, or draw? I think that the San Jose Earthquakes will draw against Austin FC. I think mm. that this is going to be one of those cases of – there's no film to look up on this team. Yeah. And you're entering the unknown. I think maybe this will be 
one of those stretches where Quakes pull off an upset against one of the more established teams in the Western Conference, and then yeah. this is a trap game where they think, okay, Austin FC is a beatable opponent, and then we drop points. I think that's what's going to happen. And then does last one, does Austin FC make the playoffs? Austin FC, well, that's a really difficult question because we don't know <laughs> what the playoffs are. We don't know if four teams are making the playoffs that's conference true. or that's 12. True. So um, if it's anything similar to the playoff structure we get here, I'm going to lean toward no. Okay. Based on where the teams are at right now. Mm. Because I think the it's going to – right now, based on where the teams are at, there's not much to say that the teams that made the playoffs this year are going to drop off and not make it this year. It's yeah. sad to say that of the likeliest suspects to do so, San Jose Earthquakes may be one of those yeah, teams. As of right That's now. just yeah. because of the fact that there are only transactions this offseason so far. They lost two players, yeah. and they didn't bring any in. They're hopefully, and I say this like with a bit of fear in my heart, hopefully <laughs> – going to bring players in but as of right now their stock fell the big news that we're here to talk about is eric uh, remedy to the san jose earthquakes traded for 200 gam and 300 gam possible in incentives so again this is a trade this is jesse fiorinelli's second mls trade um we haven't seen this since Oduro was traded for Quincy Ameriqua or vice versa. Quincy Ameriqua was traded for Oduro. And um, this is something that Jesse Fiorinelli doesn't really do. Ivan, what do you feel about this transfer or this trade? Do you feel like this is a good value? And do you feel like what's going to happen to this roster? I think that it is a positive sign because you and I have talked about this in several podcasts where like, Every other MLS club makes a considerable amount of uh, business in general, but also like they interact with each other, they make trades and stuff like that. So, but San Jose Earthquakes have largely relied on players outside of North America or outside of MLS yeah. mm-hmm. to uh, bolster their roster. And the, when you do that, you run the risk of these players don't need t- time. The players do need time to mm. develop and adjust to this different style of play. Every yeah. country, every league has a different style of play. And, you know, there's some transitions that take less time to make. Like if yeah. you transfer from South America to the Liga Mekis, I think sometimes that can be an easier adjustment period than it from South America to MLS because of uh, cultural differences and stuff like that. But this is actually a weird case. This player played, Eric Remedy, played for Almeida in ben, at Banfield in 2015. And I saw some tweets from some Argentinian Banfield fans saying that he was a top three, at least, player at the CDM role in Argentina. So it's a very possible. Wow. Yeah, it's very possible that we have a great, great player on our hands for a very cheap price. Um, Something wasn't happening in Atlanta where he just wasn't cutting it. So they went and they got Sosa, um, which is a phenomenal player. Again, he's probably a player that's going to use MLS as a springboard to go into a European club. But because of uh, other teams really getting good top talent prospects, we landed Eric Remedy. And um, we I'm truly appreciative of, of this transfer. I think 
only 200 gam for right now is insane. But um, this is a little too much to pay for a backup. What do you think, Ivan? Yeah, I think Remedy is the type of player that they're going to be looking to start him based on the links that they went to obtain him. Yeah. And he does have some potential in him, even if he hasn't been the most exciting or talented South American to come through Atlanta United in the last few years. And it is high praise from Argentine fans to say that about uh, a player who is is a central defensive midfielder. Yeah. And he in Buenos Aires is the London of Argentina in terms of soccer. They have so many <laughs> different clubs there, like yep. Argentinos Juniors, Boca Juniors, Huracan, San Lorenzo, mm. uh, River Plate, and so on and so forth. So it is hard to stand out if you're not in one of those big two clubs. So right. that is good news. And Remedy is a cult hero at Atlanta United for a reason, yeah. and I'm sure my friends uh, Drew and Josh at MLS Multiplex would back me up on this, that yeah. he's well-known for that one goal, his first ever senior goal that came at the playoffs for Atlanta United, uh, his role in winning Atlanta United the U.S. Open Cup. But he didn't quite live up to uh, his potential or how much that mm. you know he was expected to kick on from there. But here's a good chance for a new opportunity for him where there might be less pressure than Atlanta United. They didn't have a great 2020 season. Mm. The wheels started to come off there, and they do have to figure out other situations. Like we've talked about San Jose Earthquakes uh, striker questions. They have plenty of striker questions because Joseph Martinez was hurt, and they haven't been able to adequately replace him. Sorry, Adam John, we love you, but you haven't been the adequate replacement that they've been looking for. But um, I think – the biggest question mark with Eric Remedy is, you know, with only the one goal in a league or playoff game in his career, which is equal to Yudsen's one right. goal, yeah. do you play Yudsen and uh, Remedy together and have like a stone wall in front of the back four? And you have to really hope that your front four, the wingers, central tech, midfielder, and the striker are very productive to make up for it. Right. Or do you maybe you play one or the other and that will help with the squad rotation as we envision that, you know, we're starting the league in April. So maybe it won't be quite as intense of a schedule as it was in 2020, particularly after MLS is back. That you can. Right. It all depends. We don't know anything for sure. Because we have the U.S. Cup this year. We have uh, Olympic qualifying that Jackson and JT and. And Eric, actually, a lot of these guys might go play for the U23s in Tokyo. So this squad might be really depleted. But we have an Argentinian guy that's not really sniffing the national team, that's played for Almeida mm-hmm. before, and that understands the system where he can hit the ground running. I think we have a stellar option to come off the bench. And if he doesn't come off the bench, um, I, I flirted around an idea on our Twitter the other day where – it was Jackson playing that 10 role and then Chofi's on the left side. So a lot of people didn't like that idea, but if we want to get our best players on the field all at once, that's something that we might have to keep in mind. Um, and then Fierro coming off the bench or some, some, some ordeal like that. But again, this player looks almost like a carbon copy of Yudsen. So I think this is a pretty, pretty big thing for Almeida to at least know if Houston cannot play and not have, um, you know, 
fit legs or has yellow card accumulation that he'll have another option in remedy to put plug and play. I mean, run the same system. We're not going to get those seven, one losses this year because we're going to have that backup and somebody that's already similar to the system or familiar with the system. I apologize. And to me, the best teams in MLS understand that while it's nice to have a lot of options in like the flashier positions, like having five or six wingers maybe, or having three or four strikers, it's also just as important to have a couple different defensive midfielders and, uh, defensive options in general you look at the seattle sounders maybe last season they were a little lighter on um strikers like will bruin was like their best backup option but they had a couple of players like in midfield and defense that they were able to like move around and like i remember thinking like on the bench if some if they had like a yellow card suspension for like ariaga which is always a possibility with that hot head uh they had mls cup winners like brad smith and roman torres who weren't playing much but they've been there they've done that right and like columbus crew who did win the mls cup they had to Worst case scenario happened to them with no Pedro Santos or Darlington Nagby in the final. Darlington Nagby in particular would be the more apt comparison for a central midfielder like Eric Remedy. Yeah. And they were able to figure that out too. So th- these are all positions that you have to consider. And I think you need all the help you can get in playing soccer in, in the pandemic as, you know, this is going to be the second season where MLS clubs are going to be doing this. And as, you know, clubs around the world are figuring this out in their second seasons doing this, it's going to be vital to figure it out. And let's not forget, Eric's only 25 years old. So definitely a young player and a talented player that can come in, maybe have a good couple of years, take over if Jackson eventually leaves or possibly leave on his own. So um, Nick... I think Nick Lima's 26, right? So he's younger than Nick Lima. So that's that's another crazy thing that Quakes fans need to wrap their heads around. Nick Lima wasn't that young. So uh, (laughs) it's just nice knowing that only a portion of that Nick Lima money went to Eric uh, uh, Remedy. Excuse me. So that might mean that there possibly is another trade in the works for MLS talent. Because if we don't use that gam it's going to go away. So either they're going to buy down a contract that they sign a close DP contract, or they get another MLS talent. And just looking at this, right. roster, Ivan, we do have two really big glaring holes and that's right back. Cause we got rid of Nick Lima. And then also striker Wando is going to be up top a lot of the time, but I don't expect him to be up there for 40 plus games, especially with us open cup coming back this year. And just the rigorous schedule and a Matias Almeida system, we are definitely going to need to bolster the, the the striker position. But Matias Almeida might be just ready to put Andy Rios up there with along with Wando. So we'll see what, what pans out. Ivan, do you have any thoughts on the roster? Yeah, so I'm taking a look at the roster right now. And uh, I think that it's one where if you just take a – quick look at it you're wondering i don't see where the improvements are even with the presence of new names such as remedy and trophies but i think that this is a player that can compete i don't think yeah. they're necessarily making lateral moves which i feared they might 
I think that they are trying to make some adjustments mm. and addressing some of the criticisms that they had. And, you know, we asked particularly for younger replacements for like the striker position because, you know, Wondolowski unfortunately won't play forever. Yeah. Um, even though Chofis is only in on loan from Chivas, he is 26, and who knows? Maybe right. he, he plays well for the Quakes. The Quakes can negotiate some sort of permanent option. Yeah, that's always a possibility. Um, and so this is the year that we're dealing with COVID transfers, Ivan, the A's have yeah. only actually spent 8.5 million dollars in Major League Baseball. That is insane. Yeah. So. We well, it is the A's. Yeah, but still, it's, it's <laughs> very grateful that we're even getting transfers, guys. I know, I know, this is tough, but the Oakland A's, in one of the top, you know, four major leagues, has only spent eight point five million dollars in, I think it was three players. So, it could be, it, it could be a lot worse. But at least we were, we were linked with Matias Sukar in the beginning of this silly season. So striker, and then we were also linked to Miguel Layun, which is a right back, which I, I personally think that they might not be done there. It might be kind of like a negotiation tactic, or I saw some rumors that we might've already signed him and he's coming for free in the summer. So there's a lot of things that can plan, uh, can play out. But again, it's a great time to be a Quakes fan. We're excited. Um, it can be worse, guys. It could be worse. So I know we're not going to get that splash of cash, but the A's, again, have only spent $8.5 million in Major League Baseball. Ivan, I'm sorry I cut you off. Go ahead. Right. So this isn't the year where you can expect a FIFA-style uh, transfer window where you're going to buy five or six players and really overhaul the roster. But we addressed the forward position, got stronger there. We addressed the midfield positions, particularly central midfielder. We got yeah. stronger there. Defense is my biggest question mark right now. Mm. Um, some of the defenders we still have, we got Alanis for another year on loan. Mm -hmm. We have Tanner Beeson, how he, is he going to be season two? That's going to be a big indicator of what kind of future he'll have with us at San Jose Earthquakes this yeah. year. Uh, Tommy Thompson can slot in as a fullback. He probably will now because we haven't replaced Nick Lima, really. Right. Um, Flo Youngworth. Uh, I was a little surprised when we tweeted out um, something <laughs> about Florian Youngworth uh, that someone said that he, he was one of the worst defenders. And I'm like, come on. Like, we've had much worse than Flo right, at right. this club. Like you said, Ty uh, Harden. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot about <laughs> Ty Harden. But, yeah. Right. No, Flo... Flo has done a great job as a quake and he's a converted center back. So again, there's been way worse defenders. Flo might've been on a decline last year, but that's okay. He probably was going to have a bounce back season because Elanis is going to be out there more. And we're going to have a solid defense more of less the defense from two years ago instead of last year. And a big theme this season will probably have to be investing in youth players because there's no more Reno that you just like, oh, well, if we're not going to play him, we're just going to ship him up Highway 80 and he's going to play at Reno. Reno, unfortunately, isn't a thing anymore. So, yep. you, Monterey, the Jacob, yeah, go ahead. In Monterey, sorry, in Monterey is not even around yet. So, that's a next year type of thing. So, yeah, yeah. We, have to play the, we have to play the young guys. 
Did they announce if uh, Monterey was is going to be the next affiliate for the Quakes? Um, no, but that that seemed like the natural progression, right? Uh, if, Rather than Oakland roots, Oakland, yeah. If Oakland isn't going to do it, Monterey possibly has some ties to uh, the Earthquakes because they they hired Frank Gallup as their coach, so it, it seems mm-hmm. a little too much of a coincidence to not be connected. All right. Yep. And yeah, so this is going to be a big year for Jacob Acanurije, Gilbert Fuentes. Yeah. Maybe Emi Ochoa will play some U.S. Open Cup games. Yeah. Uh, and we a player that we haven't seen a, too lot of but stands out for his number 77, Casey Walls. I'm interested mm. in what he'll do. And, of course, we get the, our first-round pick from the Super Draft, uh, yeah. Williamson. Maybe he'll be a factor as well. Definitely. He'll, so he'll, he'll probably get some minutes. Yeah. So I do hope that this uh, combination of players we have in our roster right now yeah. is enough to make that next step for the San Jose Earthquakes. And the goal this season, that next step has to be make the playoffs. First of all, like yeah. you want to get consistency, making the playoffs two years in a row does a world of good for the organization. Um but also winning a playoff game once you get there because right. the San Jose Earthquakes have not won a playoff game since 2010 when they beat the New York Red Bulls. Mm. So in the Eastern that Red is a long time. <laughs> right. That was such a weird season. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I, that does mean something just as how much it meant for the Cleveland Browns to finally made the playoffs. Right. It was a huge weight off their shoulder to also beat the Steelers in the playoffs as yeah. well. It's like so, being a big brother. I mean, after all those years of getting beat down by your older brother, now you finally give it back to him. <laughs> right. So I think that the moves that have been made, including Eric Remedy here, they are headed in the right direction, yeah. but it just remains to be seen. Uh, we still have a little uh, uh, over like a month and a half or maybe exactly mm-hmm. a month and a half or so before the MLS season starts. Yeah, and as it is with Major League Soccer, with all the drafts and the trades and all that, and free agents being picked up, that an MLS roster can change a lot for many teams from one season to the next. So teams that did very well one season, they're not guaranteed to do well next season. And teams right. that struggled last season couldn't make a big surge next season. So it's hard to place more expectations beyond trying to build off last year. Yeah, and I think... I think we're heading in the right direction. I think the upgrade from Vaco to trophies is, is going to be big. Uh, I think having being able to communicate with your coach and playing with your coach before, I think is going to be huge. Um, it's going to show that we don't need that preseason to get ready. We don't need that, oh, he's going to come in halfway through the season. Okay, we'll give him this as a pass, and then he'll get a full preseason to get ready with us. Um, I, we're not going to have that. These are guys that have already played with Almeida. And on one, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, they don't need any time to get accustomed to the system, but they also are guys that he likes. So this is going to be a fun season to watch. And I think we're going to, I think we're going to be okay. I think the right back hole is the biggest hole on the roster. And right. if Tommy Thompson can do a good job by plugging it a bit, I mean, we're going to have goals leak in from that side, no matter what, just because it's the people are going to attack that side then so be it. But again, this is a roster that looks on all fronts better than last year's for sure. 
Yeah, it would have been great if like Sansa or Trace could find a way to get someone like I don't know Timothy Fosu-Mensa. <laughs> but uh, for now, like we're gonna have to manage with what we have, and maybe they'll figure out a way to get another right back if needed in the summer or something. Yeah, and I don't know if uh, Alfonso Davies is, is it, wants to come back home yet. I mean, <laughs> but he's a left back anyway. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> But we have a really special guest today. Um, Jamin Moore is on the podcast. What's up, Jamin? Um, I've, been a big, I've been a big fan of you for many years, so I'm blessed to finally have you on our podcast for Daytonic Takes. Yeah, we're. I'm excited to be here. It's uh, you know been been watching you guys grow, and it's exciting to have you know a lot more options now in the uh, Quakes community for for fans, and and you know the, the more the better. And and I, I can't wish you guys, you know, greater success. I hope, hopefully it's going really well for the show. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jamin. And our biggest objective has been making the community bigger, right? Because we're an MLS team, but sometimes it just feels like, oh, we're a smaller size team. But at the end of the day, we should be a bigger size team. So that, that's what we wanted to go ahead and do. But we're here to talk about Luciano Abacasis. So a great transfer. Jamin, initial thoughts. What did you think of the transfer? Yeah, I, you, what was really interesting is that you know we really had no no heads up at all. Uh, yeah, yeah. Normally, some rumors out there, somebody from the Black in the School squad, you know, in, in their mm-hmm. contacts in the club, has been able to dig up something. And in this case, you know, no one really had had any information at all. So the the club did a really good job, I think, protecting the information if yeah. that was something that was important to them. Um, but, you know, a 30-year-old right back who can also play left back, uh, you know, I haven't gotten to, to see too much of him so far. Uh, Colin Etnire, who, who writes for Quakes Epicenter, mm-hmm. uh, dug in a bit into our Scout, was able to pull some video. And he, uh, he said that he's actually really uh, good with his left foot mm. and that, you know, he uh, is able to play on the left side, which I think is really important because... You know, the club may be looking at losing Marcos Lopez some mm. for uh, international uh, duty. And, oh, yeah. you know, with that, I think it's important to be able to have a bit more depth uh, that right. someone who can plug in on the left side. Mm. Uh, you know, Tommy Thompson did, you know, serviceable there last year when Nick Lima uh, kind of resumed the starting role on the right side. And and it's I think what is important to Matias is this kind of like interchangeably uh, interchangeability at, at various positions. Right. Right. Um, he seems to value that very highly. I think it's, I think that's a good thing for, for, for teams to have players that can be multifaceted and plug into different spots. And, you know, now it looks like he's got kind of a right and a left back situation where he's got a bit of fluidity depending upon, you know, if someone's getting called in for international breaks or there's an injury for a period of time, right. um, you know, or someone just needs a rest and, yeah. uh, you know, they're starting to get, get some good depth in those spots now. If we were killed last year on depth, I mean, every time Yudson was out of the lineup, it just felt like this wasn't a full 100% team. And it, especially when if we have international duty this year, we're going to be doomed. But now that we're getting depth and that we're getting a whole bunch of players in, and this is almost a whole new look Quakes. I mean, compared to the, the last year's Quakes, where it was just Alanis really coming over and being the only transfer this year, we're actually getting a whole brand new Quakes, and it's a little bit exciting. I feel like looking back at the Nick Lima trade, I was terrified of what this season could become if we don't land that right back. And we were linked to Lyon. We were um, 
hoping everybody here hoping that it was a close transfer. I know you said on the stateside podcast that um, they were very close to that deal, and that would have been you know monumental for the Quakes FO if they landed that deal because that would have just brought a whole bunch of buzz to the team and that they could desperately need. Um, but I thought this was a good. It kind of felt like a little bit like a backup plan, but that's okay. I felt like as long as we covered that hole with some, he has a lot of Copa Libertadores um, experience. So great. Right. So I think anything that we plugged in that spot made me feel better. And if he has Copa Libertadores experience, that's even better. So I feel like looking back at the Nick Lima trade, it's it's a good trade. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of Quakes fans that are mad about this, but we got a free transfer. We didn't have to pay for anything, and we'll see how it pans out. But if he plays just as good as Nick Lima or even better, man, we we came away with robbery. If we if Nick Lima's probably going to hit those incentives because he's looking like he will be there starting right back at over there at Austin, and it's going to be a good trade in my book. Jamin, how do you feel looking back at the Nick Lima trade about this transfer? Yeah, it's it's disappointing, you know, that it that does seem like, you know, Nick Lima, you know, wanted to leave. Yeah. You know, that seems to be the information that, you know, has come out. And, and I think it's been fairly public at this point, uh, because I think that it's important that the that the club um, is able to, to let people know that, you know, we are going to do what's in the best interest of our players. And if Nick Lima mm. believes that his opportunities are better outside the quakes, right? right. We're going to work with him. And, and I think the way it was done was extremely professional by Jesse Fiorinelli. I, I, I believe Jesse Fiorinelli is a good executive. Yes. I think his hands can be tied quite a bit on the financial end of things by what he's allowed to do and the budget that he is given. Mm-hmm. And I think within those constraints, I think he does a pretty, pretty admirable job uh, in most situations. Mm-hmm. The Nick Lima situation, you have to look at it and go like, overall, they turned what could have been a negative, a, a player who asked to leave right? Um, because he wasn't getting the playing time or the respect, his, his, you know, his stock in, at the national team level had dropped off. He wasn't playing mm-hmm. his primary position for most of two years. So you can put it, put yourself in Nick Lima's position and understand why he may feel that way. Right. Right. Um, and then his stock rose a little bit with a good set of performances toward the end of the season, particularly mm-hmm. the way that he he played against, you know, a, a player like Pavone, mm-hmm. uh, where Tommy Thompson has struggled. And yeah. so it was really noticeable, you know, the improvement when Nick Lima went in. And, you know, so the club turned what could have been a negative into a positive. They got a record uh, in in league transfer amount in, in the 650000 in mm-hmm. GAM. There's another... 50,000 or whatever it was in incentives, Mm -hmm. you know, that's tied on top of that. It it might've even been more than that. I'm I'm trying to remember now. Um, And so now you've got those incentives. And then if you can go out and get a player on a free transfer for $300,000 in, let's say it's just a like for like, let's say it's relatively close and with outside backs, it's not that the differences usually are not huge, right? It's not a position like a 10 where the difference right. good in, in the, the top and the bottom is, is this far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and my hand's gesturing right now for, for anyone <laughs> listening, but um, you know, the, the difference at, at an outside back position is not as big of a gap between the top and the bottom, you know, players in the league at a, at a starting level. Right. right. So, 
I, I think this is a player now he hasn't been one of the players who's, who's playing like 30 games a season and, mm. and that's okay. And that's okay because I don't think he needs to, I think there's now enough, enough, enough depth yeah. at the position that he can just, you know, kind of rotate in, give people a break. Maybe it's going to be Tommy, but Hey, if we know we're playing against a Pavone, maybe that's the right time, right. You know, to play him because we know Tommy will struggle against someone of a higher skill. Let's put in uh, you know, a more experienced uh, player, um, who's going to be able to, to take a, take on that kind of matchup. So Definitely. you have to say overall, it's, it's at least a break even. And, and I feel like it's actually a net positive for the club. Yeah. And on to, to go back to your Jesse's a great executive remark, actually, when we had Marvel win on the show, he told me that Jesse actually went out of his way to make sure that his medical bills and everything was taken care of by the club. So I can't reiterate enough how good of a person Jesse Fiorinelli is. And he actually does a great job. Um, he gets a lot of slack from the fans. Yes. Everybody makes some bad transfers, no matter what team you're on, but he's definitely been a great executive and done a great job with the team and every on all of that. Um, but talking about just how he hasn't been that, go-to player for the last clubs he's played for yes i i see that as well but the highlight videos that i watched i mean it looks like he can deliver a nice you know cross so that's a little upside there was a lot of fans saying that they're excited to see him link up with espinoza on the, that right side and that might be a really nice combo because they're both argentinian they both played in that league they understand each other a little bit possibly more um and this team looks like it's going to be a fun team. And at the, I think the Nick Lima transfer was for 650. And then I think it might've been 200 K incentives. I'm not sure if that's a little too much. There was more incentives tied to it. I'm not sure that the club gave a final number on that, but we got a guy like Eric Rometty on for 200 K with a couple of more incentives as well to make it 500,000. So I feel like, in all in retrospect, Nick Lima, yes, was a great player. And yes, he was a quality product from our Burlingame Dragons and became one of our starters and really a key part of this Quakes team. But if he wanted out, we got a good, a big sum for him, actually. I know it sounds like a really small number because it's intra-league. I mean, we're talking about one entity trading with it within itself. So it's not like those European flashy transfers. But right. yeah, I think... It, it was a great piece of business for the quakes at the end of the day, you want to be able to create talent and then either sell that talent or use it to win championships. And unfortunately, if that talent doesn't want to be here, at least we made a profit on it and a pretty sizable profit for Nick Lima, which hasn't had the best of years in the, I think the last two years, cause he just didn't mix well with Almeida. Um, but Jamin, this team looks nicer on paper than it did last year or looks a little better on paper than it did last year what are your thoughts on the season i know this is we kind of came in here talking about luciano but maybe we can get a little season preview from you um what do you feel like this team is lacking still and what do you think that they've improved on you know the important I, there were several important things that we had outlined ahead of the season that we felt that they needed to do. I, I wanted to see a, a, a TAM striker. I know a lot mm. of people say DP striker, but I really, I really don't feel that DP level is mm. one critical to the team. I think it's more important to have that DP level at a ten position than a nine. I think a, a mm. nine who's mostly a finisher 
is going to thrive with a 10 that can actually deliver. And you already have Christian Espinoza. So yeah. how do you leverage that into a situation where, you know, the 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 sum of the parts, you right, is right. is greater than the individual parts. And and that's what a coach like Matias Almeida is paid what he's paid. And and let's be honest, he's he's either the highest paid in MLS or now he might be number two with some of the recent coaching changes in mm. the league. But he's 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 at least in the in the top you know five percent of, of the coaches in MLS yeah. in terms of pay. That's a huge investment. Sometimes we think in terms of these DPs, but if you are you know if if you're the owner owner of the team right, and you right. are thinking about the investment in the club, you're looking at I'm I'm paying Matias and his staff a, a premium to hand them yes maybe not necessarily the the the, the best roster in the mm. entire league. But to give them enough pieces that they should be able to go out and compete and be able to put that team together and compete right. at a higher level. That's the thinking, you know, that's that's gone into this process mm. uh, at the executive level. And I, and I think the the team has taken, you know, some steps forward here. It was important, not not just, you know, to get it, get a TAM nine, but to fix the 10 position. Is yeah. Joe that guy? I don't know, but it's only a year deal. And so, you know, there's very little risk involved here. The, the yeah. Quakes got him on a loan. Um, if it doesn't work out, it's it's easy to send him back, right? And okay. to get the, the 10 the next season. Um, it is somebody that Matias asked for. So a lot of people might go like, oh, you know, they had their expectations on a, on a different level mm. of, of the 10. But it's actually a player that Matias wanted. So yeah. Matias is, in effect, getting the ten that he wanted. Let's just, you know, call a spade a spade there. Right. Um, so let's let's hope he's at least, you know, going to be as good as as Magnus Eriksson was mm -hmm. in that position in terms of the, the the distribution and the aggressive passing into the box. That's really kind of needed from that. And he looks like he's going to be fit, and hopefully that means he's going to be able to help in the press a little bit better with a little bit more pace. Than yeah. Magnus offered. Um, they needed to get some backup in central midfield. Eric Rometty is a great move, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think in the opinion of, of most people who looked at it, in terms of that kind of midfield depth, mm -hmm. he's both a he both has attributes of Jackson Ewell in terms of his passing. He also has attributes in terms of his defending that Judson would have, right? Mm -hmm. And we kind of have this unique double pivot with a true defensive midfielder and a Regista type six. Yeah. Um, together in the double pivot. Um, and so, you know, having someone who can kind of plug into either one of those spots, that that's a real, you know, accomplishment. I mean, yeah, finding the right kind of player and he understands Matias's systems and he knows how to slot back into it. So, so that's a positive, you know, we, they've, they've at least, I think, um, done what they needed to do in replacing Nick Lima, you know, with, with probably something that's a bit of a like for like, mm. Um, the spot that really still concerns me is going to be the right center back position. Mm. You know, Flo's a great guy. We all love Flo, but he's at that, that point in his career that he's likely to take a step back. In my opinion, he had, he made a step back last season, mm. um, to some level. His one V one defending is a little bit, a little bit lacking in, in situations. He overcommits at times. Kashia mm. had the same issue in that position over committing, and, and, you know, goals would happen in behind. Right. So um, it, it's a little bit concerning plus the set piece goals. 
Yeah. And so they don't have that real kind of aerial presence in the back line who's going to ensure that the, the team improves on the set piece side of the equation. And to me, like you need, you need that aerial threat center back. Right. And in the ideal world, world, they would have also done the same thing at the nine. They would have gotten, cause, cause so one of the things that, that a lot of people don't know is that your, your nine quite often in a set piece situation is one of the players that you bring back in order to head balls out because they're mm. proficient with heading balls. Right. And so, you know, if you're going to defend set pieces, you need that, that nine who can head balls out. Well, that's not Andy Rios. Right. That's not Chris Wondolowski. And if you don't have the right center backs, now you go like, oh, that's why this team gave up so many set piece goals last right. season, right? It's not the goalkeeping. At the end of the day, it's not really the goalkeeping. It's not, you know, these other things. It's that you don't have the aerial presence to be able to, to command the box, so to speak. Um, and so that's where having, a, I think, a, a, the right TAM 9 could have, could have been a help. But more importantly, I think you need to be able to get the right center back. Now, mm-hmm. some good news, Tanner Beeson, um, you know, at the left center back, you know, I thought uh, when he came in last season, I don't believe maybe they gave up one set piece goal, but mm-hmm. but only one. Yeah. And it might not have been any. Um, I do believe Tanner Beeson is having him back there does help that situation a little bit more. He's got a little bit more size. Um, he seems to have kind of an ability to win aerial balls. When he was playing regularly, he started mm-hmm. leading the team in aerials one during the time that he was playing. So that was actually a positive. And if you remember, they, they won most of the games that Tanner Beeson played. I think yeah. they lost the first one, right. maybe two. And then that little stretch of wins that they went on, that was Tanner Beeson back there. Mm. Um, as soon as they, they kind of made the, the switch back, um, at that, at that spot, um, you know, they started getting more draws Yeah. Um, and it wasn't quite the same. And they did start to give up the set piece goals a bit again. And then we saw in the playoffs playoff game that they gave up, you know, two, two corner corner kicks or, uh, yeah. I think it was corner kicks, right? Yep, to, to, it was there in Kansas city, mm-hmm. almost in the exact same spot. And who, who, who got hurt on that? I, my my recollection is that it was Nick Lima on one, mm-hmm. got beat on one, and the the other was uh, Flor, Florian Youngworth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where having those type the, the type of player who can win those aerials is really important. Yeah, and that was our Achilles heel all last year. So it's definitely. I mean, I I can't recollect as well but i do remember nick lima having a lot of mistakes that led to goals last season and so it is nice seeing that maybe those goals won't be let in because we're going to have a new right back in luciano uh, abacasis and it it makes you know me a little more optimistic but i believe that going back to your tanner beeson um comments they they're look really highly on Tanner Beeson. So eventually they think that he's going to step into that role. If Alan East leaves, I mean, he's going to go right into that center back position. And I was really critical on Tanner Beeson at the start. Um, I felt like it wasn't his time yet, but you know, Almeida was pressured into putting him in and making him start, but he definitely looks like he's rounding about at least being, you know, that commander in the box on the corner kicks. Cause that we need that bad. That was our Achilles heel last year and yep. it ruined us in the playoffs and it ruined us during the season. 
And like you said, I, I never even thought about bringing in a tall, you know, striker to, you know, command the box as well. So that that's another place where they can improve on to make sure that we don't get completely beat on corner kicks next year. Uh, but it's, we're not done yet. Right. So if the season started today, who is your starting um, striker, Jamin? Who, who do you put up there to start if the season started today? Yeah, if the season started today, I, I think you have to start the season with with Chris Wondolowski right mm. now. I just don't I don't feel the confidence with with Andy Rios as mm-hmm. the uh, as the single, you know, the single striker. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you got Shafis. So right. it'll be interesting to see what Almeida's decision on Andy Rios is. Is he going mm-hmm. to be a backup for Shafis? Right. Is he going to be the starting nine? Is he going to back up Chris Wondolowski? Um, what do we do about, uh, you know, the new signings that that have been made at the striker position between, yeah. uh, you know, Benji Kukanovic and um, I'm not sure. I Tommy Williamson. Last name exactly right. And Tommy Williamson, right? Yeah. So I think he goes by Thomas now. I think, oh, I think Thomas. Paul Thomas, right. So, um so yeah, I mean that's. I think it's a big question as to what does Almeida do about Andy Rios um, now, right? And the answer to that question probably d- determines who the starting nine is. Yeah, yeah, because I mean we finally have depth, right? So we can we can say you know maybe I want trophies in the middle, Fierro on the left, and Espinosa on the right, and then Rios comes in at the nine, or he can be the backup for trophies. So and then trophies can either move to the left. And then, you know, Fierro can move to the center. So it's definitely intriguing or it's exciting that we're going to have a whole bunch of different looks. And once the preseason starts, then we can finally see what he's trying out and what he's tinkering with. Um, and that's coming up fast. And, yeah. Yeah. and they're going to need the depth. It's it's not just that there's going to be international breaks and call-ins and things like that. Um, one, the Quakes have been really, knock on wood, very healthy for the last two years overall. Mm. Um, in it, it, I I will be shocked if they can go another season without without some sort of big injury hitting them. Mm. Um, you know, in Knox Knox do come, and the games are also going to be on a compressed schedule. Mm. And, and we know how this team could could struggle quite a bit last season during elements of the compressed schedule. Right. You know, once they if they didn't come into that area of the schedule fully fit, like that's when they struggled. Yeah. When, it, when, when they were able to like get a week and a week and a half to prepare, like they did at MLS's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and also later in the season where they got like a full kind of week, week, week and a half off. That's right. when they were able to turn the season around because a lot of them were saying like, we're just too beat up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you know, the schedule is, is too much, the, you know, the players can't handle it uh, in so many words. That's what he was telling us. And he was really frustrated with it. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, there's a, any, anyway, all that to basically say that it's important to, I think that the, the fans of, of the earthquakes are a little bit conditioned that they sh- the, the best 11 players should always be the starting 11. Mm. This, this is a time where I think you got to take, start taking a step back and say, look, it's going to be more like the starting 15 there yeah. needs to be a good bit of rotation in order to be able to survive this compressed season. Definitely. And so you need Andy Rios to be able to play a nine. You need Wando to be able to play a nine. You mm. need these youngsters to be able to step in. Um, you need, 
you know, Rios to also be able to back up Chofis, right? Right. So, you know, you're going to need to have depth in each of these spots. You're going to need Chase Salinas to come in and play some some left wing. And you're going to to need a reliable backup for, um, you know, Christian Espinosa, where when he steps off the pitch and needs a game off, the offense doesn't fall apart. Right. So, you know, and, and then you need this rotation that, that they'll now have in the central midfield. Again, it comes back to the center back spot. I just don't really feel very strongly that they're in a good position for an entire season yeah. at center back. Um, they've got three reliable center backs beyond that. It's, it's youngsters, unproven youngsters who we've see, maybe mm. seen for a game here or there, and maybe they did well in a particular game, but a lot of that was a lot of cover by the veterans, making sure right. that they didn't get exposed in, into a bad situation and not because that's a permanent type solution. So um, do you think there's going to be uh, possibly one last transfer coming in, either that center back position or a, a, a true nine, like you were talking about? So if I had to, if I had to guess, I, mm-hmm. they have two senior spots left that we can tell on the roster. And let's assume that they'll get the international spots adjusted, you know, through green oh, yeah. cards or whatever. They'll, they'll, they'll solve that particular problem. Mm-hmm. My, my best guess is that they're going to focus on the center back position because Jesse said that first he's going to, solidify the defense and work his mm-hmm. way forward yeah that's okay. what he told us what was it three weeks ago when mm-hmm. we when we talked with him so given that particular comment now that he's gotten the right back position taken care of you know solidifying the defense tells me he's probably going to make one more move mm-hmm. uh, on, on the center back remedy obviously being another move i think was was necessary definitely yeah. so now uh i think he's going to leave that last roster spot available for mm. a mid-season move. And I know no one wants to hear mid-season again right. with this club, but he explicitly said that he wants to leave some money. He wants to leave some space to be able to do that. And you can't do what you could do in previous years and just send somebody to Reno on a season long. Yeah. Right. You could send someone else to a different USL club. You could make a trade. You could do all kinds of different things. You could leave people off of the roster. Um, but at the same time, you know, with two senior spots left in the international slot situation and everything else, yeah. my guess is he's going to look at a, a new attacking option mid-season if he thinks, and, and he kind of hedged that by saying, if I think it's needed in order to be able to 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 accomplish our objectives, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think he's going to leave a roster spot available, and I think he's going to look at that you know, nine or, or 10 spot, uh, maybe even a left wing a little bit and um, probably make a move uh, midseason for, for one of those spots. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, Quakes fans don't want to hear that, but yeah, it, no, it's more realistic. No, yeah. <laughs> what I think is that's, that's what I think is the reality. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So, I mean, you're looking, you're looking at a team who as you know, presently constructed is probably looking at, um, you know, I would say like a sixth or seventh, maybe an upside of a fourth or fifth place Yeah. in the West. Uh, if everything comes together, if they can prevent the kind of collapses midseason that they've had the last two years, mm-hmm. the fatigue doesn't set in too much. If Matias is, is rotating the squad, uh, given the depth that he has uh, now for most of the areas, yeah. you know, that he, he needs to, to, to rotate a lot more than we've seen him rotate, just mm. relying on the same 11 because they're the hot hand right. to go out there for four or five straight games, you know, ends up 
you know, running those players into the ground and you can't rotate 11 people at one time. Yeah. So you've got to constantly make a change of one or two players every single game mm. and rotate in. I, like I said, it needs to be that kind of that starting 15 um, that he can, can kind of trust and, and always be rotating and always yeah. be putting in one or two of those, those players. Mm. Okay. Well, since this is Tatonic takes, I'm going to ask you one last question, Jamin. What okay. is your Tatonic take of this next season? So hot take, hot take of this next season. Oh, it's got to be a Tatonic take, huh? Okay. Yeah. Or it could be a, a, a semi Tatonic take if you want. <laughs> um, wow. I, uh, I don't tend to think in those terms because I'm an analyst and so yeah, I get into the data and I'm not, I'm not trying to think outside the box. I'm actually trying to get to the, uh, the truth. Um, okay. Well, my, I guess I think my, my biggest take will be that we will see, uh, Chris Wondolowski finish his career with a 15 goal season. Okay. Yeah. That's I think, awesome. I think, <laughs> I think, I think getting some more attacking options, uh, in there, I, I think is going to be really good for Wando. And if they can get him a bit of rotation so that he's fresh and he's coming into situations and the team is not slumping um, and they're giving him decent service, you know, mm. I think, he, I think he definitely at the pace he was going last year, um, like that still was, was realistic. And he went through yeah. a big dry spell in the middle of the season. Right. So, you know, imagine if, uh, if like everything can kind of get clicking, uh, on the offensive side. Right. Um, and that's the benefit of bringing in these players that Matias knows they should be able to hit the ground running. That should be an expectation. Yeah. Um, they, cause they know the system, they know him and, right. uh, they don't have to figure certain things out. So, I mean, it will take probably a, a few games adjustment like it does, does anybody, but it should mm. be overall a fairly productive season for this team. All right. Well, Jamin, thank you for coming on. Um, Everybody here knows you, but how, how can we find out more about you or where can we find you on social media? Yeah, I'm at, uh, at jmorequakes. Uh, most people know that I'm uh, kind of run the day-to-day with uh, quakesepicenter.com. Um, so you can you can also find me there. And I got a brand new project on American soccer analysis that just got launched today. Mm. You can check that out at Analysis Evolved. Um, and um, it's uh, it's been great to uh, get to come on. Yeah, and I appreciate you coming on. You can also catch Jamin Moore on Black and Azul, another great web show that is yeah. for the for the earthquakes. So definitely check them out, guys, and show them a lot of love. So Jamin, thanks for coming on. And all I have to say is go quakes. Thanks. Appreciate you having me.